the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in, everybody. It's me, your uncle that knows a lot about money and finance. The shop is open if you want. Talk business, talk investing, have any questions about mortgages or insurance. I'm not going to be the end-all, be-all person that's going to change your financial mind. I'm just going to be a good, solid second opinion. I don't want to change your mind. I've been talking to my producer during the whole break, and he's got some fascinating insights into Bitcoin. I don't know Bitcoin. I can report on it, but I don't know the internals of it. I don't know the depth of it. I don't know the uh, the stretch of it. I know that there's not a lot of value. I know that there's a core price. I know that you can you know add 10, 15% based on the VIX and uh, anxiety issues. I get that you look at the dollar and everything you're seeing right now is like, shh, I got to be careful. I, I almost said a, word, a cuss word there. Uh, everything you're looking at with the dollar right now is this is not good news. Uh, t- turn on the printing presses. You know, we need to fire up the economy. We needed more stimulus. $600 wasn't enough. $1,200. Do it times two. Do it times 10 weeks. Like we are just printing money as if it grew on trees. You know what I planted for years and years and years as a childhood? Cigarettes. I know you're saying you planted cigarettes. I figured they grew on trees. Because whenever you were in like a shopping mall and people had stubbed one out, it's typically planted in sand. And I thought those would grow up to be cigarette trees. I know you're saying, but you have fruit trees. I do. <laughs> cigarette trees are not true. Nor spaghetti trees. Remember that commercial in the 1980s where it's like a pasta company and they're trying to get you to buy their dried pasta? Because fresh pasta just isn't good enough for us. It has to be dried and, fr- and frozen. Um, and it grew on trees in Italy. Oh, the things from our childhood that still influence us today. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. A Starbucks employee is being accused of spitting in several drinks served police officers. Uh, There's nothing more disgusting. And that's all I can say. Speaking of disgusting, Kanye West says he's trying to divorce Kim Kardashian in in a Twitter rant last night that has since been deleted. Now, I bring this up in large part because you all know who Kanye West is. And he sang a song about being a gold digger. And he's married to Kim Kardashian, who I think is the ultimate publicity stunt on America. I don't get people who watch the Kardashians. I don't get the Kardashians. I don't get why we've made billionaires out of the Kardashians. But I blame that one on the millennials. That one you're going to have to own up to one day. Because I ain't seen the shows. But Kanye West claimed he's trying to divorce his wife, Kim Kardashian, while accusing her mother, Kris Jenner, of engaging in white supremacy in the latest rant from the outspoken rapper. Now, I don't know his medical condition. Um, 
I think he's not hidden behind it, but I think he's talked about it before. Being bipolar and being on your meds and being creative and not creative things along those lines. Again, I'm not diagnosing anyone with bipolar. I'm not saying anything with people who are bipolar. Um, I get it. But he says last night in a Twitter rant, I've been trying to get divorced since Kim met with Meek at Waldorf for prison reform. I guess Meek would be Meek Mill. When Kardashian met with a rapper to talk about prison reform in November 2018. Um, And so last night on Twitter, Kanye West is like, Meek is my man. I was respectful. That's my dog. Kim was out of line. Okay, let's not call a wife a dog. That's Twitter disrespect. Even I know that. But he referred to his mother-in-law as Chris Jong-un, a reference to the North Korean brutal dictator and friend of the Trump. He said the Kardashians were attempting to force him into psychiatric treatment. They tried to fly in two doctors to 5150 me. Now, this has all been deleted. For the sake of teaching America and millennials what divorce means, I, I almost hope this is a true story. I'm never hoping anyone to get a divorce. So please take that very, very lightly when I say that. They've, there's children involved. But the lessons we'll learn would be paramount unless there's non-disclosures. And something tells me there's going to be a lot of non-disclosures. Marion Wisely is, is one of the, the best pieces of advice I can give you. Uh, one day, it hasn't happened yet, but I'll pull my children aside. And I'll say children, and they'll say, Papa. And I'll say children, and they'll say, Papa. I'll say, you don't have to get married in your 20s. That's kind of this myth that came in from World War II when men were going off to war and coming back and marrying their high school sweetheart. Or marrying their high school sweetheart before they went to war, just in case he died, she got a benefit for the rest of her life. Or... You don't have to do it. Take your time. Find the right person. Don't rush into anything. Moderation, moderation. Uh, I personally, at one point in my life, fell in love with a very beautiful woman. Um, And we had a wonderful year and a half romance. But I saw some signs. Oh, what was one of the signs? Like on, I think I was taking her to the airport on July 4th or... Labor Day to visit her family. And as I'm driving to the airport, I'm like, I don't want to be with you anymore. This is wrong. I, this isn't great. This is, I, you, you push my buttons wrongly. I push your buttons. Like, it's, it's bad. And right there, I should have said, let's call everything off. And I did it. So we don't get married. So a couple months later, I, I start seeing the cracks again. Um, she was, like I said, a very beautiful woman and international beauty kind of thing. And people sought her out. And one time she left an email open. I wasn't looking. So, but I saw. And the marriage was over in under a year. One of the best pieces of advice that I could ever give you is marry wisely. Marriages are expensive. And then you complicate things with kids. Um, I don't want to be, you know, Peter Gabriel sang a song called Family Snapshot. That basically is all about Lee Harvey Oswald shooting Kennedy. And it's a it's a it's a rant. It's not even it's a chant rant kind of thing. It's not even a song. It's not like he's hitting high notes. But it's all about uh, Lee Harvey Oswald wanting some fame and some notoriety. And he shoots Kennedy. And it ends with 
he was just a lonely boy hiding behind the front door waiting for his dad to come home and his parents got divorced and you're like did the president of the United States get shot because this guy was divorced and maybe that's just a stupid interpretation but divorces are expensive and they have not only a, a, a costly toll going from two people living in one home to two people living in two homes then in a divorce sometimes you'll go you know what I've been sacrificing I'm gonna go buy me a a Lamberdoodle, which is part Lamborghini, part Poodle. Um, and you're like, suddenly you're buying things that you shouldn't buy. Maybe a augmentation. Maybe some hair plugs. Things that you were totally fine with without, but then suddenly you had to have. I got very, very lucky. Most people don't. Um, mine was civil as we ended because I just didn't want to put up with it. So I was like, if you can't make it through one year, <laughs> like I'm not signing up for 40. Just call me crazy. But divorces are very expensive. Lots of physical and financial tolls. It's one piece of advice I think everyone should tell their kids. And I think you should also get them a secured credit card. <laughs> that's, that's as fleshed out as I am on my kid advice on finances. Marry well and give them a secured credit card so they can't get into trouble. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Stocks are trading mixed in a cautious type of session. Um, The NASDAQ has just cooled off. Other than that, I wouldn't say there's a lot of caution out there. Your earnings season's doing fine. Trump is back to giving daily updates on COVID, which is going to be interesting. He's given us, if nothing else, um, some press conferences that um, have some claims that are worth fact-checking. There's a lot of things that are being slipped into his conferences now like last night i heard the chinese the china virus on multiple levels that's wrong but on one where you're trying to have another political power superpower china be a buddy of yours united states it's not exactly the best way to get people working together happily sometimes they'll work together with you angrily and then look for every opportunity to get out So that's out there. Existing home sales post record increase in June. This was an interesting headline this morning. You'd be like, what did we do? Did we come up with a new building material that everyone, it'll never, homes will never burn down. No. Do we come up with a material that kills COVID automatically before it gets into your house? No. We have historically low mortgage rates and we have low inventory. We have high unemployment. We've got a pandemic, and one month is horrific, followed by another month, which is just normal, but that normal month suddenly looks glorious compared to the horrific, and people like me who are reporting too quickly will say, what a glorious number. Now on to the next story, Jane. And you're like, who's Jane? Uh, Do you know what a Karen is? Has this hit your vernacular yet? Has this hit your lexicon? Um. It's essentially a Caucasian female, I'd like to say 35 to 54, who likes to scream 
bad words at people and get caught doing it on camera. Don't be a Karen. That's now a meme. I feel bad for all women named Karen. Um, but you see where I'm going out with that. Things have changed ever so slightly. 800-516-1220-DH calls on the air. I got an email that is worth sharing. But I'll do that in just a second. First and foremost, I saw a survey that talked about back-to-school shopping. I'm a little bit nervous about this. Walmart said we're going to close on Thanksgiving. Black Friday is in serious jeopardy in the United States. That would put a lot more retailers out of business if we don't shop. It's already been a rough six months for COVID-19, back-to-school shopping, malls, anything that gets us together. 71% of parents say that COVID-19 has changed their attitude towards back-to-school spending. Listen to this. Nearly four in five parents said they will spend the same or less on back-to-school compared to last year. Three times more moms than dads say they won't do any back-to-school shopping this year. (laughs) Our kids are going to be dirty and ratty and nappy when we finally send them back to school. Almost four in ten parents think schools are not doing enough to support their communities. That's brutal because I'll tell you what the school community is. It's teachers, it's administrators, it's parents, it's kids. And to think that we can all get on the same page, we can't. And to blame the school is easy. But when you have some parents who won't get vaccinations and some who will. When you have some parents who don't want their kids in groups bigger than 10 and some who don't care. Some who love homeschooling, some who thought it was the biggest joke ever. Um, I think there's loops. I think there's big dead spots in, in homeschooling. The job market is parents' number one concern for their kids upon graduation, followed by debt. So when we start extrapolating on colleges, we're going to probably be anyone who graduated in 2019, 2020, maybe even 2021 is probably going to be going into a job market with double digit unemployment. And that's scarring because suddenly you have this degree in mathematics and science and they're like, yes, we really need you to make non-fat lattes. I was going to call my dog non-fat latte and everyone said no. So I came up with 0111011 and everyone loves that name. But I like fun dog names. Non-fat latte makes me laugh every time I say it out loud. So we're probably kicking out college graduates right now into a bad job market again. And we're going to start hearing, will there be a baby boom? I don't think there will be a baby boom out of COVID. But will there be a boom of people living with mom and dad a little bit longer? I, I think so again. Man, it's tough to be a millennial and get your foot uh, uh, s- s- firmly in the ground. Sales tax holidays will be held in 16 states this year, offering up to 7% off on your taxes on popular back-to-school items. Credit card companies are getting in on the action, trying to say, hey, we know you're not flying, and we know you're not staying in hotels, two areas that were very good for us as spending categories for you. So maybe we can give you some BTS. Back to school. And I'm not talking about South Korean boy band wonder. I want to do that to you. But RJ just sent me an email, and RJ is asking the stock DJ. He thinks the market's very high. And he even put $2 signs to prove it. 
He said, as I've been dollar cost averaging every few months and been buying back stock and mutual funds in the last four to five years. Okay. I like what I'm hearing. I'm sorry. He didn't say he's been buying back. He said he's been buying stock and mutual funds for the last four to five years. So he's been in it five years, let's assume. So he's done great. I didn't hear him complain about the stock market being too high last year or the year before or the year before. He said, should I continue to dollar cost average and buy when the market is so damn high or should I stop and wait for the market to drop a bit? I did buy mucho when the market was down from March 13th to 30th and what I bought, I'm doing great and my happy dance is still going on. I waited two years for a huge market drop and I scooped up my favorites. The funny thing is most of those favorites outperformed the markets in those two years. So you actually lost, but you took some of the risk out of it. I'd say you need to refine the plan just a bit. Don't be as much market timing as you are building a cash reserve while dollar cost averaging, while increasing your income, while spending your money wisely, while saving your money intelligently. You can find me online at New Focus Financial. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. I was a little bit stunned when I looked at the year-to-date performance with the NASDAQ up 20% year-to-date. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare. With briefing.com, when I bring up the NASDAQ, Mr. O'Hare being up 20%, I should also bring up the Russell being down 10%. One is a small cap U.S. index, and one of them is a big international growth index. Are you kind of surprised um, by some of the disparities in the returns in the market this year? Uh, because that's a pretty big one with the Dow and the S&P 500 somewhere close to break even to slightly up. Hey, Rob, good morning. Hey, good morning. Yeah, sure, it's a massive disparity, and it's and it's being led by some massive stocks. Um, you know, it's well chronicled now that the the top five stocks in the S&P 500 account for 23% of that market weight, uh, but there are also components within the NASDAQ uh, 100. And so you talk about the NASDAQ composite being up, you know, about 20% year-to-date. The NASDAQ 100 is up 24% year-to-date. And uh, so you're seeing some real strong influence um, uh, disproportionate influence uh, based on the performances of those mega cap stocks, the Microsofts, the Apples, the Amazons, the Teslas, uh, you know, Facebook. Um, they're doing their part to carry this market up. Uh, and so it's certainly still um, showing well, if you will, for, you know, the index level investor. But, you know, you go beneath the surface there and, and things are not as good. So it's been probably more challenging to be a, you know, a stock picker if you haven't been picking, you know, this particular group of stocks and a few others. That's fair to say. And again, it's a little bit surprising to me, but I'm glad you addressed it. That helps a lot. Um, I start my day every day with page one and you eloquently write it every day. That's quite a chore. Um, putting together thoughts of you know a good old two paragraphs of what's happening on Wall Street, but you do a great job. And today you start with it's good and bad out there. I kind of the headline itself tells me this is going to be a good one, and you, you do start flipping through what's going on, um, news on uh, viruses or vaccines. Maybe uh, you're talking about earnings season. You're a little bit about the political uh, environment. What's standing out to you right now? What's what's the most interesting thing you see when you open the morning papers and uh, turn on the news, so to speak? 
Well, I think you've got this, you know, uh, a little bit of what we talked about, just this continued infatuation with these mega cap stocks. You know, it it does not end. Um, You know, we saw, you know, a week ago, traded off just a little bit, you know, prompted the NASDAQ to go down about a 1%. And then, you know, lo and behold, you get a you know nice you know two and a half percent rally on Monday, uh, which is was fortified by I think like a eight percent gain in, in Amazon, you know, and a nine percent gain in Tesla or something of that magnitude, and yeah. and you just have this this just continued infatuation there, uh, which is really re- it is truly remarkable. So so that's one component, but you know something that else just catches my eye, which was kind of part of the thematic element of the page one column today, is that. You've got, you know, a lot of things that you can look at from both a positive standpoint and a negative standpoint. <clears throat> and so you get a market that kind of does vacillate from one day to the next. You know, we saw some rotation into value, um, you know, yesterday after we saw rotation back to growth on Monday. And, you know, I think that's really a function, too, though, of broader, you know, uncertainty, right? I mean, the, the future is always uncertain, but it seems particularly uncertain these days when you think about, uh, you know, COVID, when you think about U.S.-China tension, when you think about uh, the presidential election, you know, when you think about uh, the state of the labor market uh, and whether, you know, temporary layoffs will continue to morph into permanent job losses. And so there's just really a lot out there that's difficult for the market to get its mind around uh, and to sustain, you know, a belief in any one uh, road. And so you kind of just see the market gravitate back to what it does know, which are these, you know, mega cap uh, leaders that do have tremendous revenue growth, you know, greater earnings dependability, uh, good balance sheets by and large, and in some cases have the ability to keep paying a very secure dividend. And so, um, so there's, there's a little bit of a a, a vacuum there in terms of thinking about the market. And so uh, so a lot of participants are just going to what they do know and what they feel safe in, in investing in. And, and it's kind of getting into a very concentrated and clearly a crowded trade in some, some pockets of the market, which, you know, can remain the case for, for some time. Um, but you do have to worry about that concentration risk and the unwinding from those mega cap stocks if, and this is a big if, Rob, if that money does not rotate into other underappreciated areas of the market. Uh, and so far it does. On days when these growth stocks and mega cap stocks kind of pull back, you see an inclination to move into cyclical and value-oriented areas of the market, and that keeps things from you know imploding, really. Um, but uh, if everything, if the dam breaks all at once, you know, it can be a really vicious slide in a hurry. I'm speaking with Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. I should disclose that I've recently sold 5% of one of those big tech names. And I'm not going to look back and, and regret it. It's, it's been up you know, 3,000 plus percent in my career. So I'm, I'm shaving a little bit off. Um, but let's talk not about me being the expert, but you brought up Bill Ackman in your page one today at briefing.com. And his views on the stock market is cautious. Now, he's a billionaire investor. He's an activist investor. He's made big wins over time, probably more big wins than big losses, but he's had some big losses too. He said something interesting that you quoted, that he thinks that the next period of time, the next period of time will garner some attribution as a factor to train buyers at the moment since he has been establishing long positions in a number of stocks since March 18th. 
I don't know what that means, but I like the phrase <laughs> the next period of time because that, that feels exactly right on what we're going through with COVID in the markets. Um, it's going to be well, an adventure, so to speak. Yeah, you know, and I would argue it gives Mr. Ackman some latitude in terms of uh, being able to shift pretty quickly, right? Um, which, as a hedge fund manager, he's apt to do. Um, you know, and, and you do have to give him the credit uh, at this juncture in terms of what we're dealing with right now and that he's, he has been um, proven correct in terms of both the, the, you know, the bearish hedge he had established going into the COVID crisis, which um, made him a ton of money, uh, and then the transition back to going long on a, a you know a number of stocks, uh, Starbucks, Lowe's, Hilton Hotels, uh, Chipotle, I believe, you know, right close to uh, the March low. So uh, when he comes out today and suggests that he's cautious on the stock market over the, quote, next period of time, um, it is something that would catch the market's attention, just knowing that he's been right, you know, in terms of the COVID trade thus far and the market's uh, behavior. So, um, you know, there's lots of very influential investors, though. You know, this, this I think, is maybe a, a one-day wonder in terms of maybe reaction, reacting to what, he, what his views are. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, something you said earlier, though, Rob, about, you know, trimming some of your your winnings from such a huge and successful investment, you know, that, that that's something that, you know, kind of Mark Cuban hinted at earlier, too, in the week. He said, you know, you just don't want to get greedy. And, you know, when he looks at this market, he sees remnants of what was taking place in 1999 with the dot com uh, bubble, uh, and that, you know, you never really actually turn a profit until you take a profit, right? And when you see such extreme outperformance over such a short period of time, um, you know, it's a prudent thing to shave, shave some of that off the top, either allocate the cash or maybe reallocate to those underperforming areas if you're truly a long-term-minded investor and you're confident in the notion that you'll get this vaccine coming in the next six months or so. And, and, and have it be a, a safe and reliable vaccine that can really help turn the tide of the economy uh, and a lot of these depressed stocks which have been left for dead uh, because of the shutdown uh, in the economy. Earnings season, let's turn the page there because we're starting to get into it. I think it's one of the best things that briefing.com provides to me. We only got about a minute or two left, but the banks kind of set us up for this recovery is going to take a little bit longer by the amount of reserves that they're taking in or putting up. Um, what else are you seeing in earnings or what are you seeing in earnings? I don't want to put the banking stocks in your mouth per se. Right. Well, I, I don't think it's any surprise to see the market react uh, reasonably well here through the initial part of the earnings reporting period. You know, uh, earnings are being looked at right now on a relative basis, not on an absolute basis. You know, if you look at things on an absolute basis, they're absolutely terrible. Right. We're talking Q2 earnings down close to 45 percent year over year. Right. So that's terrible. But you see a lot of companies that come in, you know, and just beat relative to very depressed expectations. And so you see positive responses in the stocks. And, and so you see the stock market holding up reasonably well as that relative uh, surprise continues to fortify this notion that things are kind of at their nadir here and are going to only improve in coming months. And so there's this willingness to continue to look to better times ahead as far as the earnings picture is concerned. 
Thanks very much for joining us today. It is always appreciated. It's briefing.com, a great source, a reliable source for international domestic markets. Covers everything. And I talked about how I like earnings, but I start my day with Patrick O'Hare's briefing.com. Um, I used to speak with The Economist at briefing.com every week. Um, he moved on to different pastures, but the, the amount of content there is unbelievable. Um, and if you care about text instruments, there's right up on their earnings there. Biogen, Teradyne, Key Corp. You got an upbeat sales commentary from Best Buy. I don't get it. I don't get who's doing all the shopping. Is it being delivered? I don't get it because the Best Buy stores that I go to, they're pretty empty when I drive by them. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. U.S.-China tensions are lingering. Virus concerns as well. And yet the markets are doing their things moving higher. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black talking whole things, financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Anything that you ever want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. I don't have to be right. I don't care. I do a show that is really dedicated to getting you to retirement, and I know I'm helping some people, and some people are going to go off and go, yeah, I really want gold, and Rob didn't like gold. I get it. That's fine. Um, I'm just showing you my experience through times. And unlike other people on Wall Street, I find them very difficult to approach. I try to be very approachable. So I find Chad Burton, his content makes my head spin. I'm glad he does what he does, so I don't have to. But I don't find him as approachable as me. (laughs) Does that make any sense? So I think by showing the world what a financial planner is, I think I do a good job there. So Apple's up today, Visa's up today, Microsoft's up today, Text Instruments down. Text Instruments is one of those companies that I do find important to look at. In the 1980s, Text Instruments was a leading tech company in the United States. They were the Intel before Intel. Um, Digital equipment was the Dell before Dell. It was the compact before, like, there's been some companies that have lost their edge hard. Now, I look at text instruments still for some data, not a lot, but they're cautious on the economy. They're a big semiconductor company, and they're in a lot of cars. Your car has more semiconductors today in it than ever before. The parts that text instruments sells, the semiconductors that they sell, don't have a long lag time, and the inventory doesn't go bad over time. They're not putting cutting-edge technology into your car. They're putting safe technology into your car. Auto was an area of weakness during the quarter. Sales in the vertical were down 40% sequentially. Again, they're not. this isn't cutting-edge stuff, so it's not like, oh, they missed a new product cycle. That's not happening. Texas Instruments is ultimately telling me a big piece of the economy. The auto industry appears to have bottomed in May because they got sequential growth month to month. Again, now, if they were selling cutting-edge technology or graphic processors or GPUs or CPUs, if they were selling something that the semiconductor focused on creating Bitcoin, it's just focused and boom, out comes a Bitcoin, I'd be a little bit like, okay, this is not... Not as important. 
but they're selling boring old technology into the auto industry. Now, they talked a little bit about inventory building on the other side, the people they're selling their equipment to. They're a little bit worried there's a little bit of that because of what's going on in China and global supply chains, that if you can get a motherboard that you're going to put into a car radio or into a car steering system or into an electric window up and down switch, um, we better get as many of those as we can just in case something goes bad with supply chain. Again, uh, personal electronics were up 20%, text instrument said, driven by strong demand for PCs and laptops. Um, that is explained away in one, one phrase, work at home. The work at home trend has been very kind to the PC vertical. Okay, so that's what I did yesterday afternoon. I listened to Texas Instruments call. I shared with you some very, very basic notes. Um, and you probably like, Rob's never talked about Texas Instruments before on the show. I have, but it's on more of its glory days and how we met, how we missed them um, or how they were really a, like a calculator company in a lot of people's minds. I'm not sure on this, but I bet if we were to go back, Texas Instruments probably has a pretty good tie with NASA uh, from way back in the days when they're building rockets and they, NASA would call up and say, hey, we need something. But I totally made that up. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> so... But that's just me going, Texas, Houston, and Texas. I get it. And again, the components that they build now are very simple. United Airlines missed by six cents. They reported numbers yesterday, another conference call that I got to the joy of listening to. Uh, but they're telling us a lot. So they lost a lot of money <laughs> $9.31 a share. Wow. Revenues fell 87% year over year. That is something. If your revenues fell 87% and you were to come home tonight and your spouse were to say, honey, where's your paycheck? It looks 87% smaller. You're going, I'm sorry. But I look at companies as human beings. You know why I look at companies as human beings? Because well, I, the IRS does too. So they're not going to be paying a lot of taxes this year at United Airlines. Cash burn, super important. $40 million a day. If I were to come to you and say, I got this great idea for a face mask company, but we're going to lose $40 million a day, you're going to say, how much do you need? I would say $4 billion, $400 million, $4 million, something, anything. And you're going to say, well, that money's not going to last long. So they have to forecast that their cash burn rate is going to be $25 million a day during the third quarter. But that doesn't feel really good either, does it? Oh, honey, how much did you make today? I lost $25 million. Come home tomorrow. I hope you have a better answer. Nope, same thing. Now, United Airlines did their best job of matching actual capacity demand among its, the large networks out there, the airline networks. And now they're starting to do some more ride sharing. Most of the airlines... So the numbers should start to look a little bit better as far as capacity in planes. And then they'll, they'll say, hey, if JetBlue and United are sharing uh, planes, they'll say, hey, uh, do you mind if we open up a new route? We'll do the same exact thing, but here's a new route. You're in Chicago, we're in Chicago. Good, let's do it kind of thing. But United's produced fewer losses and lower cash burn than in the second quarter than any other airline. 
So them producing fewer airlines and lower cash burn, as far as big guys, now again, like a Spirit Airways, they're, they're going to be goofy, but they're so small in comparison. But some interesting things out of it, United said they're going to double the size of their schedule from June to July. And they said that their schedule will begin to expand in August. So that's a little bit of a positive. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com.